This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. I love the mini, but like, yeah, Off I brand. think it's time to step he up. He just watched yeah. the Italian job and he's like, I'm getting it. Oh, I mean, get, no. it. get it. Get <laughs> it. He's like, I'm going it. through the fucking gold. Like, Okay, so let's uh, yeah. let's start. Some, are we, let's start it's some been recording. recording so it has been recording. Yeah. Like Thirty seconds. Okay, cool. Oh, okay. If you want to do the lead. No. So. I mean, we're back, dude. We're we're back. 2019. We're all together. And it's all four of us <laughs> back together. Dave, <laughs> Eric, Andrea, me, Chris. Like it's been a while since the four of us have been yeah. room together. That's it. And our 100th episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. And I'm going to do like easy math. It's like been like around four years. So it's like 25 episodes a year. Low key killing it. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if our everybody chief, couldn't put that together. Our chief financial officer. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> we, we are, to be fair, we are stepping it up. We, you know, I mean, this year we should have 52 episodes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Let's, there's, there's episodes like we're, we're coming out. It's coming out like. We were all over the place now. We've been down in New Haven at the district. I mean, uh, we finally got professional production values. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wait, hold on. Wait. Whoa. That went right over my head. Like, throwing a little shade over here. I missed you too, buddy. <laughs> so are you actually new new industrial now? Uh, a new industria. New industria, okay. Because I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm cribbing from the New Britain motto. Which is industria et alvare and blah blah blah. It's some a bunch of Latin stuff. It means industry fills the hive and enjoys the honey. I'm like, yo, I get to do a lot of things with new industries. We're just gonna crib off of that. Yeah. So so it's no it's no longer sublime exposure. No, I formed like LLC a new company. So like I I actually have I'm on like my fifth company now. Technically, oh, okay. So yeah. like yeah. Just starting over. Just starting. Just, just no, we're just like that one's like I love Sublime. If you haven't heard before, you know I have the forty ounce of the Freedom uh, album cover tattooed on my back. Like love Sublime, the band. It's a cool word, but we're moving on. We're moving yeah. forward. So, All right. So if Andrea now criticizes your name and says it's not good marketing. Do you have to change your company name again? No. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It's, it's, no. I mean steampunk. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. a it's a good thing. It is yeah. okay. See, I have her blessing. We're yeah, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna work. Well, hey, with this. 2019, new uh, new you, new business. Yeah. <laughs> and you know we've all, you've been busy with your business. Yeah, you know yeah. the it, you know you guys have been doing your mentoring thing and yeah, your work thing. And, and the whole point of this episode, you know, is to kind of catch up in the past year, review 2018, yeah. take a look at what we've been doing and seeing what we're doing going forward. What's uh, what's hot in the Connecticut market? What, where do we, and what are we hopeful for? You know, what are we, I know we all have, you know, a lot to look forward to in 2019 and, you know, I want to hear what you guys' ambitions are too. Well, know? okay. So let, let, let's hold off on that for the moment. Let's go, let's start with 2018. Let's start with 2018. Oh, a retro look back. All right. So what happened with you, Andrea? You've been uh, mm-hmm. been a little MIA <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I have what, been. what have you been doing? I have been. I've had head down, and uh, I'm a mentor. Okay. Wow. A mentor, okay. Which is a fancy word for wiper of tears. 
<laughs> editor, destroyer editor, of dreams. Destroyer of dreams. That, that's what the Latin was. I was always wondering what <laughs> yes. Ventura was in Latin. Yes. So like kind of like the role, uh, kind of like the role of a mother, right? Yes. Like both that side. Very yeah. much so. Very much so. Bringer, bringer of the reality. Yes. Um, Have you had your hopes crushed today? I will do it for <laughs> yes, you sir. for free. <laughs> yes, for free. I will do this. A- Andrea, uh, mother of dragons. Yes. Wiper of tears. Wiper you know of that tears. is a terrible business name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, um, starting up at Yale, Sci Center, uh, continuing on at UConn, and Reset, uh, and then I just picked up some stray cats, I mean, startups, (laughs) (laughs) along the way. Uh, So, I'm, you know, so every day there's a new drama. And we talked before we started uh, hitting record uh, about the the interesting, not surprising, but interesting uh, emphasis on green energy startups. Mm-hmm. Um, I see them everywhere now. Uh, various iterations. Solar technology, of course, is big. Um, also, ways of funding green startups, mm-hmm. um, and then the use of uh, uh, cell phone technology for you know. For green startups, so so you know the the point is that younger crowd is starting to see that the infrastructure of the U.S. up you know has some opportunity for individual uh, entrepreneurship, and that's a new way of thinking about infrastructure: water, electricity, mm. power generation, um, cell phone technology, and and you know it, it's 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 not seen as a small player game in the past. I mean, people have just ceded the whole utility space, right? Yeah. They've ceded the food entrepreneurship yeah. space. You know, these were seen as, you know, you had to have a highly capitalized national scope even to get in. Mm-hmm. And now people are giving themselves permission to start to tinker with infrastructure. Yeah. And I love this mm. because, in my opinion, the infrastructure problem is so large that it can't be solved by us all sitting back and waiting for the government to take action. Yeah. I think we do need individual entrepreneurship in the space. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting. I listened to a uh, podcast, the uh, A16Z podcast. So yes. it's uh, and- Andrews and Horowitz uh, yes. podcast, and they were talking about marketplaces, and they're like the evolution of the past 30 years. You have a good kind of trend of what marketplaces are happening, and the trend was in uh, what's going to pop is service marketplaces. Mm-hmm. So uh, marketplaces where it's uh, um, basically um, services that you can get are, are highly uh, kind of um, coordinated, uh, whatever. But anyways, um, what came up is that re- uh, regulated services. Yes. So there's a lot of services that are highly regulated that are very difficult to kind of obtain, licenses and all that kind of stuff. So I would assume in the infrastructure of the United States, there's that type of, uh, of, of a need as well. Yes, and and also the education market, mm-hmm. yep. which is another, another the, the theme being that in, you know, over the, from the 70s to the 90s, um, the federal government or at least state governments were seen as the unique Provence for mm-hmm. entrepreneurship in education, infrastructure, utilities. Those marketplaces were not organized for small businesses, mm-hmm. much less entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and all of that has changed. In fact, I'm seeing a trade-off between the older ideas from the 90s and the you know, early 2000s it has to be retail. It has to be consumer. It has to be, you know, something that sells for less than $100 as, yep. you know, that's the official marketplace for entrepreneurship. 
or you know, free technology, software, platform, social media. You know, all of those ideas are becoming old school yep. and they're being replaced by what you would consider almost fabulous thinking from 20 yeah. years ago, right? <laughs> um, and I love it. I mean, that's the mm. definition of entrepreneurship is that entrepreneurs reinvent the categories that they choose to innovate in. Yep. Um, Connecticut is unsurprisingly, I think, more ready for this transition, hmm. frankly, because we didldn't hit home runs in you know the software space, okay. the social media I'll, I'll space, think, yeah. right? We don't have a. The, the good news is, you know, we don't have an already thinking set of entrepreneurs and lenders who are, you know, unlike Silicon Valley and you know Boston that have their thing. Yep. We don't have our thing, so I think hey. it's actually quite interesting that we could be at the forefront of the new wave of entrepreneurship, and I definitely see the energy there for it. And, and you know, it is funny that you talk about that because we we did just interview. Um, what was the name of the company? The, uh, the, 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 the Green Bank the, oh. for the solar, the local uh, guy would, out of yeah, New Haven. Oh my God, I am terribly sorry. You mean Raise really? Green? Yeah, Raise Green. Raise yeah, Green. Raise so, green. We yeah. just, so we just, so we just. I wasn't there for this. No, podcast. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm blanking. No, 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 no. Oh, but um, so you're the guy who listened to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we had one person. Oh, I'm so sorry. Raise Green's an example. Um, Enviro Power from the coast there. They're doing some neat stuff. I watch them like they're like. They're low-key killing it, looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, to, to Andrew's point, you know, yeah, it looks like there is definitely, this could be one of the things that Connecticut could do. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, nationwide, I'm actually seeing, like, a lot of these kind of trends, too. One of the uh, one of the ICOs that I followed last year is called BuildCoin, and they're actually, like, their idea here is to have public people financing infrastructure, private infrastructure projects, a lot of them solar-based and, and things like that. And it's just, like, an interesting take on the whole blockchain ico kind of thing so that's kind of neat i hadn't really noticed too much of that but now you've brought it up it's like oh where could connecticut do green energy yeah that could be cool exactly trifecta's here <laughs> nodding <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, which brings us to yeah. marijuana yeah well yeah hemp i mean first off hemp <laughs> went legal. so like that's uh, you know what that's kind of funny is that so you know, in 2018 for, for Trifecta, we did a lot. You know, we got our investment from the RWA, um, which actually allowed us to. So we're at 10 uh, full time people right now. So it's actually been nice because we're in the pr we're we're in the process where um, myself, Spencer and Kieran have been able to shed some of the stuff that's been slowing us down and be able to focus on the things that we are good at. Um, and so it's it's also interesting to see when you bring on other people, how much you you s kind of underestimate how much work can get done and then they they're like oh you can get that oh you can get that much done and then it rethinks how much we can get done so it's just like okay we're i think we can do more in the, in the month or you know so that's been that's been very uh nice um interesting for us too is that we've kind of separated some of our business units so like um what we found out is that uh and this is from insurance brokers right so uh food-based businesses kind of carry a lot of high insurance costs uh and especially for like selling food so uh so what we did is that we actually put up a commercial kitchen and now that's our weekly harvest uh llc which is basically our catering uh arm um where we're going to be doing prepared salads and actually uh corporate catering so uh doing uh, lunches for um uh for you know law firms and you know accounting firms and all that other good stuff um so uh so yeah so that's kind of where we are um we're going to be launching so also good enough is that can you talk about like education? We've always talked about it like it's such a hard market to break into. It has to be, you know, dealt with differently. And so we're actually spinning off our city that feeds itself um, kind of mission into its own initiative. And so that should actually go live next week. Um, we have two, um, you know, great women working on that, that they've been kind of putting the whole thing together. So um, so it's been nice where we're kind of segmenting. And for us, one of the big issues that we've had as a startup, which probably a lot of other ones do, is that 
you go after so many different things and you don't treat them you, like once you find something that's bringing in revenue you don't treat it as it should be treated so for instance like the the food side and the and the uh prepared salads we're going to treat that as if we didn't have a farm because we those costs have to be 30 percent, and our labor you know has to be th- so you're, you and then also with the education side is that we're going to treat that as if we didn't have a farm and there's a, so so then we're not trying to tr- we're, we're, we're able to scale it differently mm-hmm. um so that's what we've been through um a lot of stuff happening um we're in the bet like Every year, we, we actually talked to the partners, and I think some startups get into this. Um, you have a, you seem to be doing bigger things around a certain time period every year, or, or things are, are you know happening. And so, um, same thing happened with us. It's always right around Christmas. <laughs> it's always right around yeah. you know the new year. And um, you know, uh, this past week actually, well, when when we're recording this past week, uh, looking to sign a contract on another farm in New Britain. So yeah, we're going to be right. um, yep. So we're going to be you know um, where was that farm? What? So right it's uh, Ur- Urban Oaks, yeah, it's in like actually oh, like Urban uh, Oaks. We we talked about Urban Oaks, I think a long time. Oh ago yeah, that's oh yeah, probably about four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, I was trying to buy it that time. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I keep trying to sucker this guy into buying it. Like yeah, no, I tried to buy it last time, and uh, another um, another entrepreneur in this spa- uh, in Connecticut um, in the restaurant business came in, and he uh, he took it over. We tried to, we worked with him a little bit, and uh, he's not longer th- no longer there and both him and the uh their previous owner kind of called and said well you're the you, you know you should take this over you're so welcome. um yeah so so we're uh you know it's been honestly since ccsu i've been working trying to buy this for about 10 years now and it's been a battle <laughs> uh so um first off if it, if it didn't go through i would just walk away and never talk about this thing again but um but yeah so that that's uh us we're uh we're, we're moving strong but you know also, again, hemp and cannabis. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, uh, on that note, is that one of the cool things um, is that federally, you know, in the farm bill, hemp went uh, legal, and um, obviously, not every state is kind of set up for this right now, but because uh, there has to be some licensing and all that kind of stuff. But one of the cool things that we saw is that um, so uh, the farm bill happened every five years. That happens. Uh, one thing about some startups is that, and, and smaller businesses, which we're I'm going to go back to what you said, like, you know, probably six months ago about how startups are like, you're a startup for a certain period. You're not, a, you, then you're a business, right? And we've actually kind of been implementing that as like, we're, we're not talking about ourselves as a startup anymore. We're just a, a we're a growth company. We're growing. And, um, and so, uh, so anyways, I don't know why I brought that up, but, um, one of the things with, oh yeah. So, um, startups having uh, impact on legislation. So we had Chris Murphy in at our uh, um, at our farm and had this big thing around the farm bill and some of our wording got into the farm bill. Like right. that like that was some of our things that we wanted got into the farm bill. And so that is that stuff where oh my god, wow. Actually, if you go on, if you look up the farm bill online, uh, Kieran, uh, one of our partners maybe the picture that shows up <laughs> and a picture of it, uh, like our facility as an indoor farm. So that is actually uh, pretty impressive, um, you know, and that we think that we can kind of do a little bit more of that, uh, yeah. especially in Connecticut. Um, but hemp is going to help revitalize agriculture in Connecticut. It really is. Um, we have a lot of tobacco fields that are empty. Perfect uh, place for it. Mm-hmm. A lot of farmers we're talking to aren't plant or aren't selling as much corn, so they're not planting as much corn. Well, it's, it's, this like, is I mean, tobacco. It, oh, yeah, I mean, this is this yeah. is like this is a thing. Um, yeah. I will have to say is that people think uh, it's going to be a sexy kind of a thing. No, this is farming. Like yeah. we're talking about doing farming and, and yeah. stuff. I think Connecticut, which is kind of the green kind of side of it, there's going to be a lot of uh, tertiary products around it, yes. indirect products that come around uh, hemp. Yeah. Um, I think that's a bigger market than cannabis. It's going to be a slower build mm-hmm. of a market but because cannabis is going to come in real big, and then you're going to have these big guys. I mean, everybody that's talking about cannabis, they're saying, I'm going to build my company in five years, six years, and then sell. 
and I'm, and I'm building it for the big guys. I'm well, building it for what the big guys want to have. You know, I mean, so the cannabis market is rapidly becoming organized through private equity. <laughs> and, yeah. and if, yes, you, if yeah, you look yeah. at Oregon, yeah. and, California, Oregon yeah. and Colorado, these small growers are exiting without the bags of gold they thought they would oh, have. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it, it rapidly became an industrialized and, yep. and, and a sector for high. You yeah, know, and private equity probably likes it because of cash flow, right? It, I well, mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's vertically, <laughs> because it's vertically aligned, yeah. and they can control the profits. Well, yeah. like, just to jump on real quick, uh, just talking about the hemp and the tertiary yep. products and all that, though, I, you know, there's, there's been talk in Connecticut, you know, about this whole thing about new Governor Lamont wants to legalize. Yep. Want, you know, federally, hemp is now legal, and that's a huge step, and Connecticut had already started taking steps towards yep. allowing it to happen in the state, but, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing from some of my friends, either clients or, you know, just people I know who've moved out to Colorado to California to Washington, they're now looking, you know, the people, they're millennials, you're our age, you know, they're looking like, hey, maybe I should think about coming back. To yeah, you know what I, you know what I say to those people? Yeah, good luck. You know, and what I say is that the <laughs> yeah. people, no, and what I say is the people that have been here, there's going to be, there's a lot of entrenched people that have been working on this for years. And I say that as a person who started a business growing lettuce, mm -hmm. you know, like, and like we, everything that we do can be transferred over. So it's one of those things where I think there's a lot more players that have been working in the area a lot that, that are going to pop, and it's going to – if well, you don't get in soon, you're going to miss out on some I'm of the I'm not necessarily things. even talking about the big yeah. growers. I'm yeah. talking about, you know, chef friends, people who, like, went out there and they wanted to make uh, edibles okay. and yep. stuff. Yep. Now they're looking at, like, oh, word. Oh, I, they just I kitchen, have my, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, like, they're looking at it like, oh, well, I already have much more of a support structure in Connecticut. You know, I left two, three years ago, but my homies are still there. Maybe I want to come back and open that cannabis break room. So, so how how long before this is legal in Connecticut? What, what's the timeline? I say eighteen months. Eighteen months. I was going to say by the end of the year because New York's trying to push it through real fast. And Massachusetts makes, yeah. already has it. Mm. If Lamont's serious about it, I mean, there's no reason why we can't get this through legislative by the end of the second he quarter. Has a, he, has a, he has a big budget to worry about. Yeah, we're not <laughs> like we're that. not speedy. <laughs> yeah, but we need the money. He did run on this. All right. Well, okay. So over under, right? Twelve to eighteen over months. Under. Right? I'm okay. taking. I'm taking. I'm taking twelve. I'll months. go over. Oh my God, you guys are so. I'm negative. gonna say 2020. 2020 is when it's so popped. negative. So, <laughs> but but that's where. So Dave, what what uh what was your 2018 like? It was fascinating. It was very busy. Yeah. Um, it seemed like you had a lot of mergers and acquisitions. We and did. Everything. We did. I had. That's I, good, right? I, I had. Well, it's it's always a combination, right? It's it's sometimes you're on the sell side, um, and you uh, you kind of lose a client in the process. It's a little bit bittersweet. Um, sometimes you're on the buy side, and you're helping companies grow. Uh, so it's it, it can go both ways. But uh, I'm trying to think companies we dealt with that were sold in 2018. Uh, couple of telecom deals um so uh voice over internet companies t selling to bigger bigger cool. players um we saw when i think uh we sold we sold off um a manufacturing company a local one that uh was a startup i mean you know nice. they and i unfortunately i can't talk about that in more detail because uh they're still redesigning the product and and getting it back out there but that was um but they, they were bought by a company out in Illinois, and uh, their, you know, their, talk, their product, which, which was a local thing, which came out of Yukon, will go nationwide. That's mm -hmm. neat. Uh, it's, he's a great guy, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's been on this podcast, right? Yes. Okay. So, you know, and, and he's, oh. he's phenomenal. And, and, and the kind of, I'll say kid, because he yeah. was in his 20s, and to me, he's a kid. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, you know, a, a true startup. Yep. A true basement, you know, idea. 
uh, toggled around with a machine, <laughs> you know, got a little desktop machine to work, and that's a multi-million dollar business. And right. he was in and out of that in six years. If he can do it, almost anybody can. Right. I mean, no, seriously, seriously. I mean, this was not, you know, he didn't come to the table with financing or, yeah, you right. know, a Ph.D. and from MIT. I mean, you know, he had an idea and he pushed forward every day, pushed it an inch. And, and look at this. Yeah, what, what, car what carried him through was, I mean, he had that level of determination yeah. um, that he was going to he was going to eat the ramen and, uh, you know, avoid the steak for four, four years and work on this at the expense of everything else. And he got it done. Um, and he just has that certain personality that really makes uh, a successful. I, I, I hope we get to have him back after. You he's know, we told can me make he's it. told me he will come back on the podcast right, cool. as soon as the announcements are. That's cool. Finalized. Because that's the, you know I think that's a lot of what we're hoping to happen in Connecticut. We, we want to see these startups. You know, like you said, it's a little bittersweet. Yep. You know, but on the other hand, you know that's that's good for the state. That's good for the ecosystem. Yep. But um, that's you know that's really cool, Dave. Uh, yeah. So uh, also, I mean, you're in the district now. Yeah. So some some other industries, really quickly. Uh, some traditional manufacturing, actually. Mm -hmm. Some some action in that area. Software. Big. Mm. You know, big buying and selling going on in software, and uh, and the the rest of it was more on the financing deals, right? Mm. Like so, there was a lot of M and A, and then and then uh, a bunch of financings. And uh, you're right. And we also got into the district. Uh, we have an office there, which I might have mentioned once or ten times on this cast before. <laughs> um, and it's uh, that's exciting. It's an exciting place. It really does provide a hub of activity mm -hmm. that we haven't had before. Um, and the kinds of people they're getting in there to speak and to uh, show up and attend events and everything uh, is just a, a notch above. And now what we're seeing is a lot of the organizations in Connecticut that provide services to entrepreneurs or financiers one way or another are now holding events there. They're trying to move mm -hmm. other facilities. You know, they're they're trying to use that as a, as a base, and and that's good. And so it, it's it's this hub of operations that I think is really going to uh, to improve the Connecticut community. And really excited to be part of it and see where it goes in the next year. Uh, the software school there, the Holbarden School, is built out. They, I believe, they just started their first class, or their first class starts at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and you know, Connecticut needs software developers. These are the and and I apologize as I say this to all software developers out there, but these are the factory work, factory floor workers of the future. You know, we're, we're going to need we're, we need less people on a factory floor, and we need people. Everything's based around software, and we need people to develop the software. And so, um, you know, the the what I'm saying is like the blue collar job of the future is software development. Until the robots take over. Until the robots take over that. <laughs> until they until AI the old takes over. The next twenty years. <laughs> they're yeah. they're already taking over the current blue collar jobs, yes. and now they're going to take over that. Yes. And yeah, so it's it's really exciting. I, I think for me though. Um, I think one of the trends that I've been following and trying to pay attention to uh, is uh, impact investing. Mm. And, you know, one of the uh, big things, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was Vox.com had an article about the failure of impact investing. And I, and I, and I wouldn't call it a failure. I'd call it a stall. Um, but, you know, the, the, the problem with impact investing uh, is that it, it, it's based on venture capital. Uh, right, venture capital investing relies on companies to have an exit strategy. They get all their money back upon a sale of the company or an IPO. Uh, most people who are setting up benefit corporations or social impact companies 
conscious capitalism-based companies, green companies, they don't have an exit strategy like that. They're doing this because they want to do it. They don't, most of them don't usually plan on selling out in five years. Um, and I've, I've worked with companies that have changed their strategy to sell in five years because they wanted the VC money. Um, but impact investors, you know, a real impact investor needs to realize that the, the return is not on a sale of the company. It needs to be structured very differently. And we haven't gotten there yet. We don't have, uh, we've discussed before that in, I, you know, my phrase, it needs to look, a l the return needs to look a lot more like an interest rate. Uh, Andrea has, has said that's really like a bond. And I think that, I think that's true. I think that's, that's really the model you're looking at. I don't know you actually need a bond, but you need, you need the security that the return is long-term, that it's, it's as the company builds up in growth, the, the, uh, the annual rate goes up and, uh, that the investor is able to get a, you know, a long-term result. It's never going to be as high as, a purely venture capital based, but it may provide a little bit more stability. It, it provides goodwill to the portfolio, and yeah. it can <clears throat> it can be counter to uh, trends that the VC has has had a more traditional investment in. So it becomes a beta to the rest of the portco, and that has value. Um, also, you know, you can if it's a B corporation, you have flexibility around the foundation that comes out of that B corporation mm -hmm. in terms of how you want to move, you know, capital in and out in terms of the investments. So I, 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 I th there's a there's an undiscovered frontier for impact investing, VCs, and private equity. And, you know, if enough people get together and have, you know, have, have some thoughts about it, they can organize the marketplace. That lack of organization means that impact investors are undervalued relative to the contributions they make yep. and the capital they generate. So, you know, more to come. But as always, Connecticut is, you know, at the forefront of B corporations and impact investors. And nobody wants to see that first step. No. no nobody wants to see on it like, oh, I worked as a lawyer and we created this brand new structure. Right. You know, it, it, it's very. Uh, I bet there was somebody that would do that. Yeah, well, somebody can give me a call. We'll right, talk about exactly. <laughs> call Dave. Call Dave and figure this out. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but there are a ton of companies looking for this type of investment. There are. Um, a lot of many of them are very, very good companies, and they, you know, they, they could benefit from it, and and there is a good chance for a good return. But it can't. You just need to think of the return in a very different manner. So I, I just want to <coughs> jump in on that. It, you know, I'm wondering, is it a failure of impact investing, or are the companies maybe not as great? You know, I, at the end of the day, investing is investing, whether it's for you know a social good or not. And one thing I have noticed is there's been a lot of lofty, you know, feel-good ideas out there in Connecticut, but in general, you know, people have these ideas like, listen, if I can get the money, I can change the world. And it's really hard to change the world, guys. You know, it's really hard to make that. And so, you know, I don't have enough, you know, research into it, but, I, you know, I'm kind of listening to what you're saying. And, you know, I'm a business guy. I'm a socially, you know, I'm a, I'm, I love people. I love everything. I want everything to be beautiful, right? But, you know, from a business perspective... I'm wondering how much of it is, you know, they're looking at the investment wrong, but also how many of these companies are just not as solid as they may be pitching themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's one thing to say, I have a great idea, but then there's the execution. And, you know. So I, I would suggest, and, and I only have anecdotal evidence, mm -hmm. right? I yeah. obviously don't have a report to go to. But I, I would suggest that these companies have the same failure rate as pretty much every other entrepreneur. 
right? It's, right. You're, you're, there's always a there's a few really successful ones. There's mm-hmm. a few moderately successful ones, and you know then there's a whole bunch that aren't going to do anything in the long run, um, and they're going to serve as training exercises for you know the person's <laughs> next company. Um, it's it it's uh, that be that so I don't think that the investments are any. I don't think that the quality of the companies mm-hmm. is any really is really any different, but it is a very different model. It's, it's when I say thinking about it, I mean you got to think about it. people are, are when they think about venture capital, they think about these huge returns, right? Right. They they, they, they think about the the unicorn company and the venture capitalists. You know, they, people forget venture capitalists put money in ten companies, and they're and they and they're lucky if they get re- good returns from two. But those two are outsized, mm-hmm. and so they provide a ton of cash back to the investors in the venture capital fund. Um, you know, when you're looking at these types of companies, when I say thinking about it differently, it is a very different model. Mm. I mean, you, you think of it in some ways. I mean, the, the way I think of it is sort of like a a you know return that a bank would get, right? It's like a loan, except that it's not a loan; it's equity, and it's like this permanent you know uh, funding source. But um, you know, and there are a lot of issues to be worked out around that, but the, or, or you know, a multi-year bond, a bond with a term on it, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a it's a slower, more you know, occasional cash receipt as opposed to one big lump, and it's harder to figure out what the returns are for that over time, uh, you know. And so it's a new investing model, and you got to look at it out to ten, fifteen years, and 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 you know, make some guesswork. That's why nobody's taking these and, steps. And so also that's like thinking that you're taking a long-term bet and you're, you're betting on the team to be right. long-term. Yes. You're betting on that to be long-term. So it's... You would think slow. I mean, that's what we do re- well here in Connecticut. We move slow. <laughs> you would think we'd be all over slow that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the issue is that investors still chase the, the old, you know, the, you know, the continuous uh, growth model. And there's, you know... We, as, a, as an investment community in the U.S., we have an outsized reward for higher-than-average growth. Yep. Um, you don't need to beat the market by much to be seen as a real winner and attract a tremendous amount of capital. And, in fact, we're seeing decapitalization now around the unicorns of a, of a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, less yeah. Apple, Twitter, fa- Facebook. Um, so so there's, a, there's a whole debate in broader in the, in the VC and PE community, which I, we can't really you know, recreate right here, but suffice to say that people are questioning whether extreme growth breakout firms, the search for those firms and the outsized rewards firms that look like those firms receive, if that's the right use of capital going forward. So, so going after the base hits instead of the grand slams every time. Right. It's like we're going to only go after base hits. We're going to play Moneyball. We are, yep. We're going to bunt here. We're going to do this. Yep. We're going to make it just keep, yep. keep yep. it all. I mean, if you can be uh, an original uh, primary investor, you know, have board seats, have management control, and have a deep, long-lasting relationship with an impact-type company that has a reliable return and a steady business model that allows for gradual growth and has a tremendous amount of goodwill that comes along with its mission and its accomplishments, and even maybe has a foundation as a B Corporation that it spins out and does real good in the community, um, why would uh, a VC not take a chance on one like that as a beta yeah, to like a por- one out of ten. I'll exactly. take one out of ten. As a beta to a portfolio that it may have in a, in a separate set of investments uh, that are growth oriented. Yeah. 
But, you know, so everyone says that. Everyone agrees. You know, you have very polite dinner conversations about it. And then we don't go forward. Um, but, you know, but that that's the kind of thing that, that you know, that I see, at, you know, as, as a mentor. You know, I see a tremendous amount. And, you know, and, and, and Dave sees more as a, on the business side. Same ideas. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, in the in the uh, in the, the democratic socialist community, there's a lot of questioning about uh, growth as the highest good and the highest use of capital. Um, and so there's a question about whether or not we want to continue to take our capital and reward companies that at the margins have uh, a temporary, you know, run mm -hmm. that outpaced the market in terms of growth metrics and then see, you know, rollbacks and disinvestment and poor returns and um, are we going to continue that cycle over and over again, or does someone have the courage and will to step up and actually, you know, create those investments in a purposeful way mm -hmm. toward companies that do a positive public good? Okay, I want to go down this rabbit hole for a moment. So mm -hmm. there was a, I, I just think this is fascinating. So there was a proposal for legislation by Elizabeth Warren last year that went nowhere, as, as I expected when it started, but it was radically different than anything we've done here in the United States. And what it, uh, she proposed a few different things, many corruption bills and so on. But the one about companies was that if you were a company that had a billion dollars or more in revenue, you were going to be required to get a federal charter. And as a part of that federal charter, it effectively put into place the rules of conscious capitalism onto that company. It said that you need to take into account when making decisions effectively all your stakeholders, mm -hmm. actually your employees, workers, and so on. 40% of your board of directors had to be made up of workers from your company. Ooh. So that's like the in Germany, right? Yes. Doesn't Germany have yes. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Bob's Red Mill something, a uh, company out of uh, Flower. Like yeah. Flower. Yeah. They, they have something sort of like that. Yeah, where what a is lot it with flower companies? Bob's Red Mill, King Arthur Flower. They're yeah. all like King Arthur, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, large know. social impact companies. I don't know, man. Like people Slow like bread, bread and circuses. I don't <laughs> know. Well, I just, yeah. And there were was, was some flaws with that. I mean, I love that yeah, bill, yeah, yeah. and I love the, the the biggest flaw, of course, is that you know you, it would be a massive disincentive for companies to stay capitalized and incorpor incorporated in the United States. Yep. You know, they could just exit and and, and reincorporate themselves, you know, <laughs> in in one of a few tax havens and reap many benefits. So, but but aside from the escape hatch, yep. if you were to block the escapes, which is what you'd have to do, we collectively as a group, we'd have to all stand ah, in, in front the of the fire exit. <laughs> yeah, um, but if if you know, I I you know, you I don't know how you can really argue that. So the question is have we finally reached a tipping point as a mature society where we can start to uh, trim the edges of the grasping you know need for ever higher growth yeah well I, as you say a, a company that that takes into account these decisions it seems to me makes very very different decisions yes. than the ones oh, that we're seeing yes. yeah right and and like for instance the tax bill that was passed this past year mm -hmm. uh, most of that money went to share buybacks yep right which benefits Almost the stockholders oh benefits the majority uh, shareholders uh, oh, yes. who are often the high executives <laughs> And the, and the senior management teams at these companies. Yep. I mean, it, it's 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 patting themselves on the back but with no, money. No, <laughs> pat, patting patting their you know their wallets. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, we have crony capitalism yeah. that is on a runaway trajectory. And if people knew the extent to which their tax dollars were lining the pockets of very very few people at the top, and the tremendous upward movement of capital to the top of the pyramid, they'd be in the streets and if so they could take get the time off on you know they could take a PTO day to <laughs> do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we don't allow that here in the United States. Uh, so, but I mean, you know, forty percent of your border workers—that doesn't happen, 
right, those decisions become much more difficult. Um, and, you know, I think you see probably a little bit more shareholder activism and so on. I, I just think I, – and I look at the movement, um, you know, the, the changes to uh, the House – and things like that. And I wonder, uh, you know, maybe this is where we move into the future. Um, you know, are these things potential changes? I don't see any time soon, but I've never heard this much discussion about it right. as a nation. I mean, I, I don't think as a law. I mean, it, like forcing it down, but also but making it – I mean, any company could do that right now, right? Any company can make that as part of their – it's, if it's countercultural to this extent, they will cut their you know nose off to spite their face right now. And well, so, no, well, I'm saying, well, I'm saying a company could start right now and have that as the basis. We're sure. going to have forty percent of their, you know, and so if sure. somebody wants to, if an entrepreneur wants to create that kind of a company, if, if investors want, want to create that. that company, then go create it. <laughs> well, right? if like, the legal framework is in place to encourage it, then they have a, a, a sort of an already thinking. Uh, you know, permission yep. to do it more broadly. Yeah. To do it independently now is to cut themselves off from, you know, from capital to, you know, to, to take a stand that could, you know, alienate investors. And, yeah. and that's exactly the problem that we have with social benefit companies. But, but you're taking a stand anyway, so you're going to alienate. And I guess this is my thing is that you have to alienate. Capitalism is about alienating some sort of the segment that I'm not serving you. I'm only going to get money from you or I don't only want to get money from you. I, I'm only making a product for you. So if there is this ban, if, if Elizabeth Warren thinks that there's so many people that would love to get a part of this, well, then why can't it happen right well, now? Well, it's, it's a carrot versus the stick, right? In a sense, you know, what Elizabeth Warren is, you know, is, that was like, that's a, that's a stick. Okay, basically you kind of have, she's wanted to make people right. do it. Uh, on the carrot side of things, one of the things that actually happened in 2019 that I think could benefit uh, Connecticut really is the Opportunity Zone uh, legislation that passed. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of this administration in general, like 99% of the time. But this this is like an example of, you know, where there's a public good, people could still make money. And it's like instead of forcing people to do it, it's like, hey, here's an opportunity to do something positive. And, you know, maybe one of you guys knows the exact details, but I, as I understand, it's basically – Buying property in, you know, hard-hit areas like a New Britain, a Hartford, yeah. New Haven, you know, specific parts of these cities. And then, basically, if you can invest and make that property better, you don't end up paying taxes on the additional uh, – what is it? They, they well, wash well, out the you, capital you gains tax or no, something? You, ha like, you have to take capital capital gains money yep. and put it into these, yes. these things. And if you keep it there for 10 years, you don't pay any, any taxes. Right. So, which actually – Thinking about what you're talking about is that one of the reasons why the opportunity zones are focusing on the real estate in those properties is because real estate in 10 years, they know that they can take the money out. They know that it would, it would increase in value. So one of the big things with the opportunity zones that we're finding, which there are, there's a lot of money floating around. Yeah. Like there's a lot. I mean, people yeah. are like, just come with the projects. And more or less, I've heard from a few people that they have a, an abundance of projects. Some I feel like they haven't. I mean, some of these deals like have to be like seven, 10 million to even make sense for some of these uh, portfolios. But one of the things with um, the investment is that they can do equity investments, but the equities, they have to be able to be bought out within 10 years. So you have to like, you have to get out of the investment in 10 years. Yeah. So, so if it, there's a structure where, you know, you can put the money in and I don't know. So that may be a potential. And I, I just kind of wanted to get back to Shirley's point, which is, which is, I don't think Elizabeth Warren is saying that, and I don't, I can't represent her. I have no idea what she's <laughs> saying. But, but my opinion is, I don't think what she's saying is that there's all these people out there who want to do this. I mean, there's no incentive at the people at the top for them to do okay. this. They, they, in fact, the people at the top don't want to do this. And I think we take Amazon as an example, right? Jeff Bezos has absolutely no incentive whatsoever because he would be subject to this law. 
right? And he doesn't he has no incentive whatsoever to appoint forty percent of his board to be workers, um, and and have that change to Amazon. However, Amazon has had uh, significant societal impacts that aren't that have been debated, and you know the the idea of you know how they impact communities, how their warehouse workers are treated, all this other stuff, things like that would change as a result of this legislation. Uh, and it's, so the idea is is that the legislation, even though, like getting a seatbelt, you may not want to wear a seatbelt, yeah. but you're forced to wear one because it's better for society that you do. Um, and again, I don't, you know, that's a philosophy issue. You know, do, do, you, do you believe that it's right to mandate these things? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that's the point. Not that, not that she necessarily say, oh, these people already want to do this. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to do it, they would do it. But the people at the top have no monetary incentive That's to right. do it. And, and you have to, you have to create a, 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 a sort of a social uh, environment where people have permission to do the right thing. Carrot. Um, so <laughs> let me ask you this question. Get all political for a moment. Um, it's happening. Do you think that the current moves of the newly elected House, um, AOC and, and her ilk, uh, have taken an abrupt left turn from where Elizabeth Warren was a year ago. So the the green jobs initiative, which hasn't been fully fleshed out, so we can't do it benefit. But I mean, do, do you, I mean, it feels to me like Elizabeth Warren represented a middle ground, a negotiating yeah. point between <clears throat> our current set of, you know, crony capitalism and, and, and capitalism, you know, by and for <laughs> the oligarchs. Um, to a more uh, demo truly democratic, with a small d, version of capitalism that maintained the corporate structures that we had, but gave workers and the middle class an increasing vote and voice. Um, and in theory, they would together legislate for a more equitable share of the gains. Now that feels like a middle ground versus a pure sort of socialist, let's redo the platforms. The, the way I've heard it, the way I read this in one article, and I, for life of me, I couldn't tell you what, who it was, but it was basically saying that, you know, the, uh, Elizabeth Warren is a sort of a, a democratic or liberal capitalist. Yeah. She's still a capitalist. She just wants to reform the system so that it works equally for everybody. Mm -hmm. That what the House, uh, the, the, the sort of Green New Deal people in the House are Pure, almost pure socialist. It, it's, it's really, you know, it, it's it's much more down that road than someone like Elizabeth Warren. Ever. And and the fact is, is I think we're going to see personally. I think we'll see this all um, pan out in splits in the 2020 primaries, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to see people from different aspects of the Democratic Party run, and they're going to get criticism from the far left mm -hmm. uh, and the center. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I just, you know, as a, <laughs> as a, as a Democrat. Um, who uh, hasn't been very loyal lately, I would love to see real bona fide options come to the front. Yeah. Right? And, and not have the straw men, uh, you know, uh, ideas be shot down by the electorate and then end up in a spot that, that, that looks like the status quo. And I'm, I'm worried about that. I mean, I frankly am. I'm worried about that. I, I feel like we haven't, we didn't give Elizabeth Warren's ideas an airing out. Mm -hmm. We seem to pass right over them and move into territory that is easy to critique 
and frankly unstable. And, well, from frankly, what I see, I don't think her ideas got any. Uh, like I, I think they barely got any press. I, exactly. I saw it looking at you know some some you know detailed political websites, but yeah. it was. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just thought it was interesting that somebody had even proposed that. Right. And 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 trying to think about what the societal impact would be of just that one right. bill, and and changing you know the laws that. You know, I work with on a daily basis. I yeah. just think it's uh, fascinating. I, I, I just, I, I can't. I mean, it, it just, it, it bothers me that a reasonable solution, a set of solutions, and very principled arguments were never given airtime. And maybe we'll see it come up again in the campaign, right? I mean, yep. she's in there. I mean, I, you know, I hopes for 2019. <laughs> yeah, principled well, arguments from yeah. politicians. Well, <laughs> this has been the Dave and Andrea political bout. No, we're not, we agree. So uh, this is a rare moment. Yeah, for of once. Yeah. yeah, right, for once. I um, know, it's like yeah. stars aligning. I would like to see Connecticut try out the ideas that Elizabeth Warren has already has already proposed. I mean, why, why is Connecticut, a deep blue uniparty state, not at the forefront of... of of promulgating these ideas and trying to push them forward. Why? What because do we have we're wealthy blue. We're we're socially liberal, fiscally conservative. We're the, we have the highest percentage of registered independents or like unaffiliated voters because we like to. It, you know, it's like going back to this whole B Corp thing. We like to pretend. We like to pat ourselves on the back. We like to think we're progressive. We were second na uh, state in the nation in you know legalized gay marriage or civil unions or whatever it was, but. At the end of the day, nobody wants to just give their money away. You know, it's it's it is an interesting. You know, so when you say a deep blue state, yeah, we're 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 deep blue ish. But then you know, it's like as soon as you get out to like woke, it's like oh, word, Trump signs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 there, I I know many Democrats that are now unaffiliated or Republicans. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, so so I mean, I only that, registered as a Democrat. Vote in the primary because we don't have open primaries, which I think is silly, but I also understand the second side of it because then you can sabotage yeah. the other side's primary. Yeah, so it's another like thing. I ha people I suck. I have <laughs> – I do uh, you know a decent amount of uh, older uh, individuals, boomers or older, um, that are uh, registered Democrats but are staunch Republicans, and they do it to vote against the other. Oh, interesting. And That's like, been and really effective. No, no, no. And it's so funny. I'm just like, oh, and it's like when you talk to them, you're just like – you're you're a Republican, right? And they're like, yeah. Well, and that's how they got stuck with uh, their terrible governor <laughs> candidate, who still almost won. Yeah. Uh, well, Bob, I mean, whatever. all right, so, so Stefanowski. Yeah, Ugh. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I look. I mean, the, the, the Democrats or Republicans aside, I, I, the, the, neither party is is uh, structuring themselves behind a solution like Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. They, they're, they're not. I mean, if, if you think the Democratic Party at a national level is pushing Elizabeth Warren's agenda, I got news for you. You oh, know, it, 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 you know, it is not going to come from a Pelosi type, you know, uh, corporate style campaign. Um, Clinton did not include uh, the packages that Elizabeth Warren is pushing yep. for. It was not part of the Democratic platform. It is not part of the yeah. platform. O Obama wouldn't have done it. Never. Never. He Never. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, it, it's 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 crazy that that neither side at the national level is pushing for appropriate reforms that most people can agree on. Exactly, it, it's it's like gun background checks. Mm -hmm. You know, seventy percent, seventy five percent of the nation is in favor of it. You can't even have that conversation without. Well, okay, so I'm just to pause for a moment. We we do have universal background checks in the law. 
Yeah, oh, I get, now, I, we're, now we're now we're getting off the rails. No, I, no, no, I mean I I had to get a background check. I, yeah. my, I get it fingerprinted and everything. Oh yeah, but I think they're talking about the universal background checks for like you know gun shows and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Like the I haven't been to a gun show. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So I, you know, just a, that's right. I, 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 I get all my guns. I, I'll be, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I I I, I happen to believe that uh, there are certain social slash emotional issues, cultural issues that have been put into the electorate to distract from the major issue of our time, which is mm -hmm. income inequality. And I think, I mean, I am always reluctant to get into any kind of debate around social or cultural, you know, touchstones to which the broad yeah. majority electorate agrees. Things like abortion coverage and, you know, uh, gun you know, control. Not that they're not important, but I sense, yeah. I sense uh, distraction. <laughs> Um, and I don't mean it in a sort of conspiratorial way. I mean, it's easy to get people spun up and distracted with the, you know, I, I really want to focus maniacally on income inequality as the issue for our age. Because while the rest of those, you know, sideshows are spinning and people are happy to go chase them ad nauseum, um, all of your money is being put in the pockets of, you know, a very few people in this state and in this country. And our culture mm -hmm. is changing because of it. I agree. Well, I mean, our state is one of the, the one of the highest income inequalities in the country. I mean, literally, we're in Hartford right now. We're in a beautiful office building. You start driving towards West Hartford down Asylum. It starts to get real sketchy for like a couple of miles. Then you get to the West End and boom, then you're in West Hartford, million dollar homes. Yeah. You know, you drive five minutes into the North End. It's like lock your windows, lock your doors. And then all of a sudden it's like word, mansion, pool, mansion, pool. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, literally blocks mm -hmm. make a difference, you know, six figure difference. Um, so, you know, to Andrea's point, you know, income inequality. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the issue of our time. But it kind of all starts at home, too. You know, again, like, you know, if we're if if that's something the state wants to fix, you know, we can't look to the national government. They, we can't affect everything. But, you know, it's like we had GE leave and they took a bunch of high paying jobs with them over the Boston to tax Massachusetts. You know, so everyone's bitching about taxes and stuff. And it's like they went through a higher tax. They're paying more taxes there than they are here. But then at the same time, you have a company like Stanley that's like, no, nah, we're, we're, we're sticking around and we're going to invest. And now we have like UTC, will they, won't they, what the hell are they doing over there? So, yeah. you know, all this income inequality is like, it shows how mobile wealth is too. So, you know, we start to try to make changes over here. It's nothing stopping, you know, a GE from picking up and just leaving. I, I think it, you just undercut your own argument. I know. <laughs> it's you, easy. You, you, it's just easy and you, just, you just talked yourself out of state level action and exactly. into federal mm -hmm. action. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, it's, <laughs> it's it's easy to talk about. It's hard to do. Well, you so, know what yeah, I mean? So, so it's hard I guess, for yeah. our current politicians to do. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is that bringing it back to to <laughs> you know entrepreneurship and startup this, this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, no. But like, I was trying is, here. Is, well, no. <laughs> I guess here's the thing: is that is like as our society is becoming more entrepreneurial mindset and like being able to oh we can figure it out we can do this thing and, and you're talking about how the infrastructure and like honestly just the planning for the infrastructure what popped in my head there would be so much money and so many ways where you can uh, you get a little bit here one percent of this one percent of that and you have a billion dollar company right and so it's one of those things where i do think getting more into the entrepreneurial mindset getting it down to the student level where you know hi high school students now are the activists of the time and yada 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 and whatever I think that is that's the opportunity, right? I mean, so so again, bringing it back, I think that people get, knowing that they can have more of an impact, and I, I do think right now people can understand that they can have a much larger impact. Um, there's a tipping point, obviously, but you know, 
You you have these companies that help with infrastructure around the country. It, you get a whole wave of of uh, startups that are pushing and and getting private investment into infrastructure. That changes the political talk in a lot of ways. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> you that's know, or like in, or just or it changes <laughs> yeah. the infra uh, energy infrastructure. That yeah. changes the the, I the agree. game. So I totally that's agree. that's the things where yeah. politicians. I've always seen it is that pol- first of all politicians are people. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the federal level, I don't know. They, they may be robots, but the people that I know, they're, they're regular people, and they listen to what's happening. They're like, you know, if, if they're moving, they're going to move to what, what's happening in the marketplace. I think know? there's so. a chance for grassroots to have an impact, but it is it would be greatly accelerated by help from the, the legislative. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, so I, I, I mean uh, in 2020, I, th- I, think, I think there has to be a concerted push. To get behind efforts to have, you know, to 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 make our capitalism work again for the middle class, the which it hasn't since the 1960s. Now there are other structures. I remember those times. No, I, you know, don't. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but 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 I mean, there there. Listen, there are structural headwinds. Many things are different. I mean, you know, you know, other economies are competing for for growth now, like they didn't to the 1990s. Yeah. I get that, right? But nonetheless, I mean, that you know. Anyway, I, I will stop. Okay, talking. so <laughs> what are the op- what? No, no, I I, I had um, what would I. My favorite things about end of the year, beginning of the year podcasts, <laughs> right, um, are predictions for the next year, uh, as well as things. So what I'd like to do before we get around to wrapping this up uh, is for everybody at the table to give one prediction as to what they think will happen in 2019 and one hope as to what they would love to see happen in 2019. On what level? Any level you want. Whether you know, and I mean, ideally something focused around kinetic entrepreneurship. Oh. But, <laughs> but if if your hope is that strong, Andrea, then <laughs> please feel free no, to I'll, belt it out. I'll keep it. I'll <laughs> um. Okay. So it was a hope. I know. And, uh, and, and a prediction. And a prediction. So I so we can listen to this a year from now. I and come back and mock we can each start other. Being like yes. Gary Vee, being like, "See, I said it happened." I, <laughs> I hope that Connecticut gets its ass in gear and actually legalizes and then allows the legal sale of marijuana in the next year. I don't see why we can't actually make it happen in 12 You're months. You're just doubling down on that bet. I <laughs> am, absolutely. Listen, man, I'm, I'm laser-focused. I, I, th- I, th- I think we actually made it worse for him. Uh, before the podcast actually aired, we had a little bit of discussion about this, and uh, there were some other predictions that this wouldn't happen in Connecticut for at least 18 months or later, and uh, I think that push Chris over the edge. Yeah. Now he's Oh no, set. listen man, listen guys, when I like I, I you know me, I just go with it. Like, you know, if I think something, oh I'm gonna think it. I predict that, you know, we will see some bigger companies coming out of Connecticut in twenty nineteen. There's a lot of stuff that's been happening, uh, you know, with the co working, with the, the, the you know, the, the bigger companies stepping up and trying to like reach down and kind of pull some of these companies up. There's a lot of things, cool things happen in twenty eighteen and I think We'll see some much bigger news from Connecticut startups in 2019. That's my prediction. Who's next? Andrew, it's to you now. Okay, wow. Well, we're going, clock- I we're going clockwise. I yeah, this whole clockwise thing can really suck sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I predict that Russia and China working in concert will undermine the petrodollar. And that it's already beginning, by the way. And I wonder if the change of the strength of the U.S. currency worldwide will have a destabilizing effect on the market. I wonder if it will. Um, I no predict. <laughs> no, no. Well, I don't. I mean, it could. It, it would not be great news in the short term, but I do wonder if it would. It would uh, straighten out some other things in the long term. But that's beyond my ten seconds. Um, 
Uh, I predict that, unfortunately, I think the turmoil in the in the U.S. political scene in 2019, as it's you know we have very uh, strong uh, divergence of ideas and platforms. You know, I I unfortunately predict that the little guy is not going to be the winner. Um, and it makes me very sad. So what we need to double down on, I think, is the grassroots version of what we've been talking about, you know, which is really getting behind uh, people who have ideas that can democratize uh, as many of our industries as possible. And I'm going to spend my time doing that. All right. All right. So hope, hope and prediction. So uh, my prediction is that and this is kind of extends a little bit past the just 2019, but I would say the next 18 months, uh, there's going to be like it's a time to get uh, money for the next five years or so um, in the sense of a lot of the companies is to um, you're going to find companies either bat batting down and getting the money so they can just sustain and, and make it and, and make it work um, and or companies selling. Um, it might be the time to sell companies if you're in the position. Uh, and get out. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling that it, there, there might be something happening after 2020. You know, it's just Russia kinda, and China. Yeah, just just, and just, yeah just, and, and so um, and, and, and honestly, so much negativity. And, and I've just been hearing it from investors. They're they're yeah. they're eager to get in. There's I know of some companies that are doing some big sales. Um, and so um, so that, that that's my thing. What I hope for um, is actually some uh, more uh, honest, open, and uh, thoughtful discussions about how Connecticut. Uh, um, how the agencies and how like uh, the government interacts with the entrepreneurial community um, and kind of the looking back at some of these programs and understanding um, why things happened uh, and, and just and just having a better conversation about that and opening it up to the bigger things. Um, so I, I, I would see I think that would be a good thing, especially with the in case of uh, the economy goes down, that'd be good to have those conversations first. So. OK, I actually went. I, I was thinking very local and very entrepreneurial. So so my so Sorry. I have so I, I tried. Dave. No, that's I a, tried. that's okay. So and now I was talking I have, specific investment. I, I have <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give two hopes and two predictions. One one each for local and one more international. I think uh, he gives himself twice as much. Though, well, you guys have few. I just I just I feel now I need to keep up on the same level. Um, so you know locally, um, I I hope that more investors from outside the state start looking at the companies that are not only coming out of here, but that are staying here. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot of good companies that are now choosing to more to live in Connecticut. And just because they're staying here should not prevent them from getting good investments uh, of any type. So uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a little bit more activity from out-of-state investors looking in. I predict that before the end of 2019, we will hear of a second project like the district, probably in either the Hartford or Stanford area. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't have any inside information. I don't know anybody that's going to do it. It's just struck me that all the publicity and everything that's happened around the district. I mean, it's been getting. It's been getting local and even some national publicity. Um, it's. It's really become a uh, a focal point of entrepreneurship in Connecticut. It's only increasing its role. I can't imagine the other cities are going to let that go unanswered. And and they don't have anything that quite matches up. Uh, they don't have any campuses. They used to have buildings, but they don't have a campus with everything included. And I think that, uh, that uh, whether it's by the current owners of the district or by some other people, uh, likely some other people, they, they, will, they will try to come up with a, a counter one. 
somewhere else in the state. Internationally, uh, I, I predict that political turmoil will continue. Uh, I know that's not saying much, but I think if you look at Bolsonaro in Brazil, and if you look at Brexit in the UK, which I think is going to be a complete and utter mess, and I'll be buying my really cheap vacation there in yeah, the fall. Yeah, you and me both. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I, I think that's going to be absolutely crazy this year, um, and it's going to be interesting to see exactly how post-apocalyptic it could be in in either of those countries um, for for a little while, anyways. Um, and the uh, and my hope uh, is that. Um, Elizabeth Warren will be the next president. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I, I don't need Elizabeth Warren to be the next president. My, 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 my hope is just that uh, people start constructively talking to each other again. That's so sweet. Yeah. That's, that's, me. that's, like, that's like a consistent thing. She's like, just be able to talk with people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not on this podcast, but yeah, exactly. right. we're yeah. not going to be models for that. I mean, we talk pretty well. Why, so much negativity. We were, we're a great model. We're a very, we're a very diverse group of people yeah. sitting at this table, and not really because I'm looking at us and we're all very. I white. will, I will have but to say is that I do think, I think <laughs> 2019 is going to be a big dose of realistic uh, realism, like what's happening <laughs> versus well, what is like skewed yeah. out. I think we're proof that people with different ideas can come to the table and have a discussion, and you know, with a common goal in mind, even if we all take different paths getting there. Let me, let me just such a hippie. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, we, we've been doing this for four or five years. Uh, it's not easy. We all have tough schedules. Um, all busier than it's, we ever It's happened. a very niche okay. podcast. You know, we're never, I don't, don't want to say never, but we're very unlikely to ever have hundreds of thousands of listeners. Um, but we do have listeners. We have people who, who tune in every week, and when we miss a week, we get notices. Why did you miss a week? Um, and, and, you know, it's really such a pleasure to come here and, mm -hmm. and, and talk with Chris and Andrea and Eric. Um, and Eric's been around since the beginning. Uh, OG. Yeah, OG. Yeah. OG. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a great group. And uh, I, I debate with all of you regularly, uh, but I really enjoy having the opportunity to do this, and I appreciate being with you here. Aww. I appreciate you, too. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. all yeah. of you, yes. Well, thank you. And, and and thank you, William. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Billy. Yeah. 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 Shout out to William. Loki killing it over yeah. here. <laughs> That's gonna be the saying of 2019. Yeah. Loki killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'll bring it from Hula. <laughs> All right. So everybody, let's hear about what you think about 2019, your hopes, predictions, um, and uh, what you're getting at to uh, and into. And um, yeah. Give us some reviews. Yeah. And yeah, hey, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. have let's a year, the review. Let's, let's get, get some, some reviews. Let's <laughs> get some more follows. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us yeah. on Twitter. But, yo, if you have a cool business or you know someone doing a cool business, you know, some kind of startup, reach out. Let's get you guys on here. Let, we want to talk to more people. There's a lot of cool stuff happening, and we want to talk to you. So hit us up, uh, ctstartup.com. Right. Peace out. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. We would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make the show possible. See you next week.